welcome. First of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives. I'm your host, Bruce Anthony. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a story with my crazy ass neighbor. Y'all didn't believe me. I'm going to give you all the information. Then I'm going to give in the history of Israel. And then I'm going to be talking about me, my brother and sister cleaning out my mom's garage this weekend. But first things first. All right. So one of the last episodes that I did uh, last week, I talked about the building in which I live in and some of these crazy ass neighbors that I had. And some people reached out and said, hey, man, you gave kind of like broad stories, but you didn't give anything like really, really specific that would be deemed crazy. So how you don't just tell your neighbors are crazy without giving us an example? I have just that example. Now, a little backstory to this. I was dating a girl uh, for a good good little time, and that girl was here at my house often. When I say often, at least three days a week. Sometimes it was four. Um, She was over here. She was a presence in the building. When we broke up, people noticed that she wasn't around anymore because, like I said, she was a presence in the building. One of those such people was my very, very next door neighbor who had just moved in a couple of months before me and, and my ex had broken up. And one day, uh, probably about a couple of months after me and my ex broke up, I get a note slid up under my door. Now, I don't know where this note is from. I told y'all before, I don't like people coming at my door. I always think it's the cops. I think I'm getting ready to go to jail. Uh, But it was a note. And I was like, well, who the hell is this note from? The note was from my next door neighbor. Now, I'm going to read a note. The note. There's actually two of them. Okay. Cause I got them in back to back days. I'm going to read the notes. Now I can't find the hard copy of the notes. If you're looking online, you see a picture. I've taken the pictures of it just for evidence. I know I still had the hard copy somewhere around here. I was looking all over, couldn't find it. I'm going to read from these notes. These notes were poorly written. The grammar was really bad. And it's really hard for me to make out some of the words it's going to be saying. So if I stumble, just know I'm trying to figure out what she was trying to say in this letter. But once again, I'm going to read the letter to you guys. I'm going to redact her name and her information uh, so that she is not embarrassed directly from this. Uh, Also, you know, I don't I don't know what the legal liabilities is on something like this, but it was under my door and it was given to me. So as long as I take her information out there, I should be good to go. So I'm going to try to read these two letters. They're not short. Bear with me. But this is an example of a crazy ass neighbor. Hi, my name is blank, but I also go by blank. I have lived here in this building since January. I have no family or friends here. I am from blank. I'm not going to say where she's from. And I am married to a guy who is 20 years my senior. I am 41 with a master's in nursing and have been an RN for 20 years. In 38 weeks, I will be a doctor. I'll get my doctorate degree in nursing. I am just looking for a friend, a quiet friend. I tried you. I have listened to you at the gym and I don't like drama. I don't know why I was consider what I talk about as drama in the gym, but okay. 
and my husband is, I can't make out what this, what she's trying to say here, but I think she's trying to say, and my husband doesn't want me to talk to anyone. He is 61 years old. Uh, I would like to get to know you and build your trust as a friend. If you are interested, please, if you are not interested, please just throw this away. I have been awaiting an opportunity to approach you. And she gives me her name and her, uh, she gives me the name again and her phone number. So first letter I get, I don't know, it's Thursday, Friday night, it's nighttime, right? Slid underneath my door. Um, I read that letter and I think there's no way in hell, like I'm going to respond to this letter. Who, who, who does that? Who does that when you're married to try and look for a quiet friend that lives right next door to you? Meanwhile, your husband you saying really don't like you talking to other folks and, and okay, you know, that seems like it's a bad relationship. Um, I've heard them argue. I, I haven't heard any like thuds or anything. So I don't think he's beating her. I don't know. What I do know is that I don't want no part of it. So what do I do? I read that letter, smoke a little bit, drink a little bit and toss it aside. Do I throw it away? Hell no. Because I don't know what's going to become of this. Now, mind you, I'm giving you the backstory. She does this when she realizes that that girl that I was dating is no longer around. So she assumes that she broke up. She may even been here the day that the girl I was dating came and picked up her stuff. Right. So she may have seen all of this because once again, she's my next door neighbor. Right. Uh, don't respond to this think this is really creepy. I don't know what she's asking me for. Really weird to ask for a guy that's around your same age. Matter of fact, we were the same age or I think I'm a slightly older than her at this time. I was, I was about to turn 42. Um, that, you know, that you reach out to somebody like this. So the next day I wake up, I go to the gym. When I come back from the gym, there's another letter written underneath, uh, written and slid underneath my door. Once again, I want you guys to bear with me here as I try to read this handwriting that's really, really bad. At least she did better this time uh, as far as taking her time to try and write it. So bear with me. Hey, I am sorry for the note yesterday. I'm not from here. I'm from blank. She'd already told me that in the last letter. I have only lived in the DMV for three years. Um, somewhere in Maryland, I'm not going to say. Then uh, they lived in Maryland and then they moved, uh, they moved here to be closer to her job. I literally have no friends here, female, platonic, none. Um, send women, hold on. Sending, putting a note uh, under your door was the wrong way to approach anyone. I know you have had a lot through the, uh, I know you have heard a lot through the walls. What you may think this is my second marriage married to my high school sweetheart for 21 years. I was married to my high school sweetheart for 21 years. Then life happened and I got mentally ill and could not handle much of life anymore. So we decided to end the marriage uh, for the sake of both of our peace and my kids are grown, but I'm, but my current husband is over occupied and work has grandkids whom I love. Uh, let's see like this, these, these were written on 
like torn up pieces of paper. So, you know, bear with me because good God, this handwriting is so bad. Uh, and everything is cool until he wants sex. That's our only interaction we have. This is hard for me, but I make it work. No affection, romance, attention. It's always uh, business as usual with him. Uh, after sex, we talk. He knows how I feel, but now talking turns to arguing, so I don't talk anymore. Uh, my son is in in school, college, my husband has a big problem with him being here. Her son lived with uh, the both of them for a while, but my son has never been in trouble, is not a burden, smart, kind, and cool. Uh, but for some reason, he likes to guard him and give him a hard time. Uh, so I let him bully my son who has done nothing wrong. My husband has a son who stays in trouble, has five kids uh, to take care of, none of which Blah, 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 blah. But he has nothing nice to say about them. But anyways, I wanted you to know my why uh, of the earlier note in your door. I am sorry. Blah. So I hope you guys are paying attention to all that. Um, she gives me the 411 about her current marriage, her past marriage. The fact that she was mentally ill. Um, the fact that that's the reason why her first marriage broke up. The, she tells me about the sex life of her current husband, uh, who I see all the time. Um, whoo. Yeah, I got those. Didn't respond to either one of them for weeks. Uh, because this person lives right next door to me for weeks, I would go up and down the stairs, um, to make sure I didn't run into her. The times that I did run into her were extremely awkward. Finally, after a couple of months, uh, I was in the gym and she, in the, in the gym of my apartment building and she walked into the gym and she said, Hey, I just want to apologize. And I, blew it off. Like wasn't a big thing. I was like, Oh no, no, we're cool. We're cool. And she was like, okay, I just want to apologize. And, um, you know, in one token, you know, I kind of feel bad for her cause she's just looking for friends on the same side. This ain't, I'm, there's plenty of women that live in the building. Plenty, plenty of women that live in the building, plenty of women that live on the floor, right? Like you could become friends with any one of them. Why would you want to become friends with your next door neighbor? Good looking next door neighbor, despite the fact that I haven't shaven in a while. Y'all disregard that if you're watching the video, but you know, good looking neighbor, whatever. Why did, why would you want to entertain that and make that your quiet friend? Cause rift. You already got marital issues with your husband and you want to cause rift by befriending the next door neighbor. Nah, I knew that was going to bring me into some stuff that I did not want to be a part of. I ignored it. I stayed away. And it was funny because me and my ex-girlfriend at the, at that time, the girl that I broke up with, uh, the one that she had saw all the time, we were still tentatively keeping in touch. Um, and, and I sent her a copy of all that stuff. And she was like, you know, if I was here, I wouldn't have stood for that shit. I've been knocking on the door. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know. And part ways I wanted to call her and be like, hey, look, why don't you come handle this situation? But it, literally my next door neighbors, I have to live here. I don't want no drama. No drama. Uh, so I didn't respond back to it. I've stayed away. It is always awkward when I see the husband. I know for a fact the husband doesn't know. I'm not going to tell him. Uh, I don't know what kind of rift that's going to cause. She's already apologized, never reached out again. So these are all good things, right? To make me not feel uncomfortable in my own home. But I'm speaking of this, I'm speaking of this right now. And I'm in a room that I think shares a wall with uh, a place that they can hear. So they might be hearing all of this anyway. Uh, you know what? At this point, I don't really give a damn. 
Like they made this uncomfortable for me. I didn't make this uncomfortable. They made this uncomfortable. And all I want to do is live here. I'm waiting for the day that they move out. I can't wait for the day that they move out. Either they move out or I got to move out. Some got to give here because I've just, this is just awkward. Every time I'm around them, it's awkward. If I'm in the elevator with them, it's awkward. Okay. It's, I can't repeat it over and over again. It's awkward. So when I told you guys I have crazy ass neighbors, this is what I meant. This is what I meant. Now y'all tell me, is that crazy? I think it's crazy. And I don't like throwing that word out crazy a lot because crazy is dismissive, but I think it's crazy. I think the whole situation was crazy and I didn't want any part of it then. And I don't want any part of it now, but that's just one example. One, I've got more, but it's just one example of the crazy stuff that happens to me in this building. <laughs> so there you go. Up next, y'all know I went to school to be a history teacher. So it has been a very long time since I've given any type of history lecture, but I'm going to do it next to give you guys a history of Israel. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouthwater and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, 
and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. So, like I said, I'm not going to comment on this uh, on this platform about what's going on in Gaza and this uh, newest Israeli-Palestine conflict and Hamas is attack on Israel and the response in Gaza. I'm not going to give my expertise because I feel too many people out there that don't have a true dog in the race. Are, are, are speaking on things which they know nothing about. And, I, and I'm one of them, even though I semi-understand the history in the region, but I'm not from there, right? And I have friends who are Palestinian and I have friends that are Jewish and they've explained it to me. And, uh, you know, I've read and done some research and, and tried to explain, but this is a conflict that is larger than what's happened in this month or the last couple of weeks. This goes back centuries. Right. Uh, I'm I'm going to dig into it a little bit. But like I said, a lot of people are speaking up on this as if they know and it's not their place to know if you're not Jewish, Jewish. Or Palestinian. Live in Gaza or in the Middle East, you really shouldn't voice your opinion about what's right and what's wrong. Because the answer isn't as simple as what's right and what's wrong. This is not a binary issue. This is centuries of conflict that's gone on. But for those people that want to learn, and there's been a lot of people that have, and I've talked to, um, that that will ask me questions or we'll have a conversation and they'll see that I have a little bit of knowledge uh, about the history uh, that's gone on and the conflicts that's gone on. And when I explain to them, uh, a little bit of the history and like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, you know, these this information is Google, right? Like you can Google this information. I've been lucky enough to have friends that have rec- recommended books that I could read to learn a little bit more about the history. And I have. Uh, and, I, and I consume just in general as much knowledge about history as I possibly can. So this is a somewhat lecture, history lecture on Israel. Now I want you all to follow with me because I'm going to do some ad libs. Uh, you know, I have created an outline that I'm going to, you know, basically teach from uh, to give everybody some information about this. So bear with me, but I am going to throw in some ad libs, but none of it will be personal opinion. If you want my personal opinion on this, subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash unsolicited perspectives and click on the talking straight ish episode where I talk about this and, and give my personal opinion, uh, which is more than semi-informed uh, because there's a lot of people out there giving opinions that are not informed at all. So some of this history goes all the way back to the Bible and Abraham. I'm not going to get into that. It gets very, very complicated and convoluted. Uh, so we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on starting in 1517 and the Ottoman Empire rule of the region that would be that's considered the Middle East today. Uh, They controlled all of it, uh, the Ottoman Empire. Now, this is years of this territory. Like I said, before the Ottoman Empire, some of the stuff that I'm not going to get in, uh, get into detail about. But before 1517 and the rule of the Ottoman Empire in this region, this region had been had been tossed and passed over by different groups that controlled the region uh, for hundreds of years. During this process, um, 
a lot of Jewish people escaped the conflict that was going on uh, throughout history from from the Bible going to 1517. A lot of uh, Jewish people escaped uh, the violence and the conflict. And that's the reason why you saw so many Jewish people in Europe and uh, some parts of Asia and things like that. They spread out, but mostly in Europe, right? So like I said, the Ottoman Empire ruled this region until the end of World War One. where after the end of World War One, um, the UN uh, decided to give this territory, to give this land to British Empire. Uh, the, and then there was a Belfort de- Declaration right after World War One, And this was trying to establish a... Uh, it was supporting an establishment of a Jewish homeland in Palestine. Um, and this was declared the Belfort Declaration. Uh, so British, the British controlled the Middle East in the early 1900s after World War I, uh, colonized it, right? Colonized it. Now, who was living here in this area, uh, the Middle East, during this time? Well, they were Arabs. And there were Jews that were coming back to the area to the area. That were that was based on the Zionist movement, which was creating a homeland for Jewish people uh, back in this area, which they consider is their home. So there was a Zionist movement in the early uh, 19th century to bring Jewish people back to the Middle East that was predominantly dominated by Arabs. Were there Jewish people living there? Of course, but the majority of the population were Arabs. So think of it like the United States and its early formation. Uh, we don't have the census of how many uh, indigenous folks were here, but it was pretty much a bunch of white people. And then you had slaves and you had some indentured, indentured servitude. But it got to a certain point we're here in the United States and still now to this day, the majority of the people in that in this land are in the U.S. are white. Same thing in the Middle East during this time, uh, the 19th century to early 1900s, where Arabs were the majority in this area. But there were Jewish, there was a Jewish movement to move back to this area. This is very, very important. The Zionist movement. Now, the Zionist movement started in late 1800 and really sped up right around the beginning of World War II. So even though there was the the Belfort Declaration that was set in place to establish a Jewish land, the British also said that they were going to give Palestinians their own state. Okay, Uh, this caused conflict in the region because there were a lot of clashes. This is before World War Two. Right. There were a lot of clashes of Jewish immigrants moving back into the area and clashing with Arabs and the British who were aligned in fighting Jewish immigration. And at a certain point, Britain even made Jewish immigration illegal. That was until Hitler came to power and then so many Jewish people were being displaced. And of course, Britain could not close up the borders to this holy land that Jewish people and the Zionist movement were trying to come back to. So more and more Jewish people uh, came into the area. After World War II, 
there was a further push by the UN to establish a Jewish state. Uh, and there was, there was a declaration of establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. Now, why is this important? It's important because Israel, the, when the last soldiers of Britain, because Britain was giving the land back to the Arabs and Jews. And so they were going to leave the area. When the last bit of soldiers and occupiers from Britain left the very next day, Israel declared itself a state, right? Because it would all that had always been a part of the goal. However, Arabs in the area never agreed upon declaring Israel the state for Jewish people because they felt that it was taking away land from themselves. But the UN and the British weren't paying attention and they left and Israel declared itself a state. And the very next day, a bunch of Arab nations, Egypt, Syria, uh, what would later become Jordan, uh, Iraq, all declared war on Israel. And that was in 1948. And that led to the Arab-Israeli war. Uh, the war, the causes, quite simply, the war began when Israel declares itself an independent state following the United Nations petition of Palestine, right? So why did the Arab nations attack Israel? Because they had, they were, Israel was given land for this Jewish state that Arabs thought was their land, that they didn't agree to the deal. So those Arab nations attacked Israel once Israel declared itself a state. Um, it was a major, major conflict that Israel won. The war resulted in, resulted in a series of military conflicts between Israeli forces and various Arab forces. It marked the beginning of a series of Arab-Israelis war that has lasted to today. What were the outcome of this war? There was the, the land of which the UN gave Israel expanded. As, as Israel won this, the first Arab-Israeli war, more land was acquired by Israel. And then there's other conflicts. Uh, he has a Cesar's crisis, but, but the next major, major crisis, because there's always conflicts in this area between Israel and the surrounding region. The next major, major conflict is called the Six-Day War. Now, the Six-Day War was a war that came on the hills of several decades of political tension and military conflict between Israel and its Arab, Arab neighbors. Remember, Israel is surrounded by Egypt and Syria and Jordan and Iraq, and, and Iran is over there uh, a little bit as well. Uh, what Israel did to win this war, because it was only six days, is they, they did a preemptive air assault demobilizing its neighbor's air force capabilities, allowing it quick and decisive victory. Israel then staged successful ground uh, offensive and seized territories from Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. So uh, the UN brokered a ceasefire to finally end the six-day war because Israel went in there and basically whipped that ass in six days. Um, and once again, how did this war start? It's just a bunch of conflicts that's been going on since 1948. And the Six Day War is in 1967. So 20 years of constant conflict, right? Israel 
six-day war is done. At the end of it, UN brokers a ceasefire. But it also significantly altered the map of the Middle East and gave rise to more lingering geopolitical friction. So what happens in war? Go, go back to the beginning of time. In war, you win and you kind of conquer that land. So Israel continued to expand after each war that they won. But each time they expanded, it created more and more conflict with the Arab nations that were surrounding them. Uh, another thing that was happening was Palestinians, Arab Palestinians, were being kicked out of the areas that Israel was now conquering, isn't the right word, um, was now expanding into, right? So as Israel is expanding into these areas that they've, you know, won through the conflict, they're kicking out Palestinians, displacing over 700,000 Palestinians, going all the way back to the Arab, to the Arab Israeli war in 1948. Thus, Gaza was already kind of there, but that's where a lot of those Palestinians that were kicked out, refugees, went to. They went to Gaza. Okay. A couple of years later, became the Yom Kippur War. This war began when Egypt and Syria launched a full-scale assault on Israel on Yom Kippur, which is one of uh, Judaism's holiest of days. Uh, this was done in hopes of winning back territory lost to Israel during previous conflicts. So like I said, Israel has expanded their territory after each conflict. Uh, Syria and Egypt were one of those territories. Parts of Syria and Egypt were, were places that Israel had expanded. Uh, it, Egypt and Syria launched an attack on a holiday. So I guess... If, if you want to equate it, it's like the U.S. being attacked on Christmas, right? Like it's, it's pretty much that. Uh, and it would be <sighs> indigenous, indigenous folks attacking military bases uh, to try and claim back land. Uh, that's that's in, a, in a very, very, very simplistic not black and white explanation to make it resonate as to what you could compare it to. It would be something along the lines of that, right? Um, so uh, what happened? Egyptian and Syrian forces launched a coordinated attack against Israel. Once again, on Yom Kippur, a, ho a holy ho holiday, taking Israel defense forces by surprise. Egyptian troops swept through uh, a lot of the... Uh, Peninsula, where Syria struggled to throw occupying Israeli troops out of the Golan Heights, Israel counterattacked and recaptured these territories. Uh, this was all in 1973. Uh, the U.S. airlifted aid uh, and U.S. airlift aided Israel's cause, so Israel was getting help from the U.S. A ceasefire went into effect on October 25th, 1973. The war led Israel to negotiate on terms more favorable to the Arab countries. Uh, but land was still occupied. Uh, since then, there's been countless other conflicts, uh, but this is, it goes all the way back to this time period from 1948 to 1973. And there's been talks of um, people trying to go back to the original outline of borders written by the UN 
back in 1948. Um, there's been pushback by a lot of is Israeli uh, government to saying, that, hey, that's not even possible because we have settlements in these areas now that have been controlled by us. So we can't go back to the other borders. Um, so it, Israel is in an area surrounded by their enemies and their enemies are surrounding uh, and, the, and their enemies, Arabs consider is Israel their enemy because Israel has expanded after each war their, their territory, their land. Uh, so this is just, that's just a brief synopsis of what's going on. So many people talk about what they think is right and what they think is wrong, and they have no real idea about the history. And let me just say, this is not a black and white issue. It's not binary. These are shades of gray. Uh, there's been a lot of loss of life uh, throughout these wars and this conflict. And like I said, I get my own personal opinion about what's going on now currently uh, on the Talk Straight-ish episode. But basically, I blame Britain. I blame Britain. And when you think about it, Britain has been the cause of all the major problems <laughs> from the 1900s, from 18, 1800s through now. Their, their actions have always been the cause of the actions of the cause of unrest in the Middle East. Their actions were the cause of unrest here in the States. Their actions have been the cause of several, several unrest in Africa. Their, their, their actions have been the cause of unrest in Europe. Like Britain, Britain be, and I like, I like the British uh, accent. I, I, <laughs> I like the British accent, right? but, but there, if you go throughout history, there are a lot of uh, conflict. So like I said, um, I'm not going to give my personal opinion on this, on this episode. I just want to give you guys the history of it. And it, and there's more history. There's more detailed history um, that you can look in. If you really want to examine the wars, I, I just gave a, a quick synopsis of the wars that there were several major wars that happened from 1948, starting with the Arab Israeli war, going all the way to the Yom Kippur war. And there's been constant conflict six since then, uh, with specifically uh, Gaza and the Gaza Strip. And, and that's just talking about the Middle East, right? Like that's just talking about the Middle East. That's not talking about specifically the, the, ref, the rift between Israelis and Palestinians. Um, and there's, there's a lot of history because Palestine uh, was, is recognized by the UN as a state. Palestine is. It's not recognized as a state by Israel and the U.S. and and some other places. But but therein lies the conflict of this area. Uh, religion has a little something to do with it. Has a lot to do with land. A lot to do with land. So the next time you want to give your quote unquote expertise of what's going on in Gaza understand the history first. And if you understand the history, don't give your opinion. Because even if you understand the history, you still don't understand everything that's going on over there. And we're not there. You don't understand. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. I'm not saying don't speak up for things that you believe in, but don't, don't pick a side. There is no side to choose. Don't do that. Uh, understand that this is a conflict that is not easy to fix. It's not easy to solve. And nobody really has the answers on how to solve it. 
Um, at least after today, you can understand the history of Israel a little bit better. But I implore you to go and learn not only the history of Israel, but the history of Egypt, Assyria, of Gaza, of, of Egypt, of Jordan, of Iraq, all that stuff. And even then, you're still not going to completely understand the entire conflict in the Middle East. But you'll be a little bit more educated. And in being a little bit more educated, you'll know to shut the hell up about your opinions about what is going on over there. And if you have loved ones and friends, just support them. That's all you can do. You don't have a dog in this race. Shut the hell up. All right. <laughs> that's that's it for the history lesson. It was a disjointed history lesson, uh, but it but I had to be careful uh, about what I'm saying here to make sure that that uh, my personal opinions aren't coming out, that I'm just giving you guys facts about what happened. And that's all I wanted to do was inform you about the history. But up next, I'm going to inform you about me, and my brother, sister cleaning out my mom's garage and all the shenanigans that went along with that. So I get a text message from my mom about a month ago, and I'm not going to read you guys the exact wording of the text message, but it goes some paraphrasing. It goes a little something like this. Hello, son, my firstborn. I would like to ask you for a favor. Immediately, I know that this favor ain't going to be something small because my mom doesn't ask for small favors. She asks for favors a lot and doesn't ask for small favors. And you know what? That's my mom. So I'm going to do them. Whatever that favor is, it's going to get done. So she says, I need you to pick a day before the end of October to come help me and your brother clean out the garage and demolish it. Those are the those are the words that she chose. Those are the those are the <laughs> words that she chose to describe what she wanted done. So I text my mom back and I say, "Demolish the garage, mom. This sounds like something that you need to get a professional to do. Like, I don't know how to demolish anything, and I don't know where to dispose of the information. I'm not a carpenter. I don't do manual labor. Like, can you give me a little bit more a, a idea of what you're looking for?" Oh, well, we want to clean out the garage. And my mom has shelves on the walls of the garage. And I want to take down the shelves of the garage. I said, okay, that's a little bit better explanation. I said, um, but like, are the shelves, like, are they on low bearing walls or, or what? Because I don't know how to, how to do this stuff. Well, you'll have your brother. And to my brother's credit, he is very good at, at putting stuff together and taking apart. Let me give you a, a, sh a short, quick aside story of how talented my brother is in this stuff. It's in, it's the eighties. Is it the eighties? Nope. It's the nineties. It might be 1990. And my brother is five or six years old. It's around five, six, seven years old. And there was a VCR for those young people that, uh, that don't know what a VCR is before there were Blu-rays and DVDs, which seems like that's outdated now since Best Buy is not even going to be selling Blu-rays and DVDs anymore. Before there were Blu-rays and DVDs, we watched movies on VHSs. They were these tapes, right? And a VCR is what you put the VHS in to watch, okay? Our VCR was broken. It had been broken for a good year. It had been broken so long, we got a new VCR. This was the second VCR, right? That wasn't working anymore. 
my brother at six, seven, eight years old took apart a non-working VCR, took it apart, put it back together and got it to work. We still don't know how he did it, but he got it to work. He's always been this talented uh, of putting stuff up and, 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 and building stuff. One of our next door neighbors was putting together a deck, hired my brother to help him. It was a two, him, it was my neighbor and my brother put together a whole ass deck and my brother was put, my brother was were helping. My brother has taken apart, you know, those combining exercise machines that has like a chest press, a pull down machine, a leg press, and it's all in this one system. My brother has taken that system apart, putting it back together without the instructions. He's very, very talented when it comes to this type of stuff and he likes it. So my mom's like, your brother can handle it. So I text my brother and I say, hey man, explain to me what it is that needs to happen. And he, and he says, look, we're going to have a trailer. We're going to haul out the, the garage that has junk in it. We're going to toss it out. We're going to clear the garage out. I have plans of putting up drywall and doing new flooring so mom can have a little workspace in the garage. And uh, we need to take down the shelves that are on the walls of the garage right now because we we're going to be drywalling the whole wall. I said, everything that you just said went above my head, but I kind of understand it. I said, now, are you sure that we can do this? And that if we don't take down the shelf, the whole garage doesn't cla collapse on our head. He was like, no, one of our uncles is a carpenter. Uh, he was like, no, I had our uncle come through, check it out. It'll be good to go. I just need help clearing it out and taking these shelves off the wall. I said, okay. So I planned the time to, to go up there to meet my mom. It just so coincided with my sister coming in town to see Ali Sadiq's comedy show. So. This past Saturday, I was going, I had already planned from two weeks ago to go up to my mom's house to help out. Originally, I was going to hire some workers to come in and do this stuff because once again, I don't know people seem to forget I'm 43 years old. I know that like if you see me out in public and you interact with me and on this episode that I don't, you know, carry myself as 43, but my body does. My body does. And even though I work out and I'm in shape and all that stuff, I have a 43 year old body right? Like little aches and pains. And I'm not, you know, I'm not young anymore. So moving things like I would never move myself, picking up couches and all that stuff. Wow, man, I'm going to hurt something. I'm going to pull something. No matter how strong I am, I don't want to do that stuff. I, and I'm too old, but there was no consensus that it was actually going to go through in my mind because there are times that both my mom and my brother will bail at the last minute. So the day before I was supposed to go up there, I'm texting, hey, is everything set and ready? Well, we're still waiting on the trailer to haul the trash, the junk in. I was like, okay, well, is it coming in? Because I got to make the trip up there. I just want to make sure when I make the trip up there that we actually going to get to work. So until I didn't get information that the trailer for the junk was ready until an hour and a half before I was supposed to leave to go to my mom's house. So this is going to happen this day. I know it's going to happen. So I head up to my mom's house. My mom picks me up in the metro and we're driving. And my mom just had dental surgery. So she's like, well, I won't be able to really help you guys. And I was like, you, I wasn't really expecting you to, to really help. Anyway, you're 66 years old. If I think I'm too old to be going in there, lifting stuff up and, and, and throwing it in, in the trailer, dig junk, I know that you're too old. I, you're just going, no, just tell us what needs to go and what needs to stay. And I'll handle it from there. So I get there with my brother and my brother is, he doesn't say that he is excited, but I can see this little gleam in his eye. Whether he wants to admit it or not, he really loves 
working on houses and 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 doing this type of stuff. Uh, he really, really enjoys it. So I said, bro, let's go to this garage. Walk me through everything that needs to happen because I wanted to mentally prepare myself for the work that needed to be done the day before. And he didn't call me. So I said, come in here while mom is gone. Walk me through this. Let me know what needs to happen. He was like, well, we just need to junk out the garage. I was like, I was just here a year ago because I had to clear out some stuff that I had left at mom's house. It wasn't a whole lot of junk. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been doing some work around. We've been doing some work around the house and they have. They've repainted. They're stripping siding and they're doing all types of stuff in the house, tearing up floors and remodeling and they're doing all types of stuff in the house. So he said, yeah, and because we're doing all this stuff in the house, we've just been throwing excess stuff in the garage. I said, oh. So the garage is a lot fuller than it was a year ago. Okay, how bad is it? So we open up the garage door and I say, good God, this place is packed to the gills with a bunch of junk and nobody really goes in the garage. There's a lot of spider webs in the garage. I don't like spiders, okay? Uh, it's starting to get cold. I don't know if there's mice in there. My brother doesn't like rodents and neither one of us likes snakes and we don't know if there's any snakes in this garage. Now, he tells me that our uncle had gone through and said there were no spiders because they've been getting exterminators, that there are no spiders and there's nothing in there. And I'm like, well, how does he know for sure? Because this place is packed with boxes and bed frames and mattresses and all the types of stuff. I mean, did he did he lift up every every cover, every box? Did he move over all the mattresses? I was like, we could be there could be a python, a family of pythons living in here. That's not realistic, but in my crazy mind, that's what I'm afraid of. Also, we don't know exactly what is trash and what's being saved because <laughs> there's been a multiple number of people that lived in my mom's house and they just leave stuff. I can admit that I am one of them. I have, I still have stuff at my mom's house, old files and things of that nature, books and my championship belt from when I ran uh, the wrestling company. I still got that better, by the way. Um, old computers and things of that nature are in the garage. So I, I say to my brother, all right, I got to pick another time to come out here because uh, I have a storage unit at my place. I'll I'll take my stuff uh, that's left at mom's house and store. So we're going to save that. I was like, what about all this other stuff from other people? And my brother was like, I don't know. That's what we need mom's help with. So she was gone for most of the time uh, that me and my brother started working. And he was like, well, I'm going to eat a little something. And I said, look, y'all got me for five hours. I'm going to get to work. So I'm going in there with no gloves on. And I just know certain things are trash. So I'm hauling them up and I'm throwing them in the trash uh, bin. We got a sledgehammer. I'm playing with that. Y'all might have seen the video on my Instagram page where I, you know, I did the whole Triple H entrance and sledgehammering and all that stuff. Then mom comes and I'm like, mom. Please explain to me what stays and what goes. So my mom breaks it all down and my brother got some work gloves because, you know, a lot of this stuff is dirty and some of this stuff is broken and we're breaking wood. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get no splinters. So we clearing all this stuff up. Meanwhile, my sister is not at my mom's house. She's kicking it with my dad. She's going out there and getting Manny and Patties and she's going shopping and they're having brunch and they're just living it up. And my brother was like, she specifically is not going to show up until later because she don't want to help out. And, and I knew that to be the case. And I pulled a card on and I was like, look, you can be helping with this stuff. Also, your big bro is in the area. Like, come say what's up. So eventually her and my dad pop up. By that time, we had completely cleared out 
the garage. So the only thing left were to take down the shelves. Here's the problem. Our uncle told us, hey, y'all shouldn't really use a sledgehammer. Use uh, the screwdriver and the drill because all the cabinets are held up by nails. Now, my mom has lived in this house for close to 10 years now. She has never once gone into the garage to use the cabinets. The cabinets were there when she moved in in the house, which means we don't know how long the cabinets have been there, right? The cabinets could have been there for 20 years, right? So as we go to use the drill to try and unscrew these nails that are holding up these shelves that are full-fledged cabinets, right? These aren't like little like platform shelves. These are full-fledged cabinets that are all in the garage uh, that are opening. Whoever put them together, like messed them up. They're opening into each other. It just was piss poor. We can't use the drill to unscrew the screws that are holding up the cabinets because the screws are so old. They immediately get stripped. My sister is arriving as we're trying to figure out how we're going to take down these shelves without using the sledgehammer because our uncle is like, don't use the sledgehammer because then it's going to be harder for us to drywall the, the walls of the garage. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, don't none of this makes sense to me. Why don't y'all just leave the cabinets up there where we can't drywall the walls with the cabinets up? We got to take them down. All right. That kind of makes sense. There's a lot of cabinets that we got to take down and the drill isn't working. How are we going to get them down? So my sister becomes fascinated with this. And she was like, well, this is what we should do. If we can't get the nails out, the cabinets have shelves. So in the sh we should knock out the shelves. That might make it a little easier to, to, to get the nails out of it. So she takes the sledgehammer. This is after she didn't got a manicure and pedicure. And she didn't brunch and she is dolled up. You know what I'm saying? Living the good life. Was about to go get some new shoes that she complained uh that she didn't get because we were blowing her up. Dad was about to buy her some new shoes. And I was like, man, you know, that's pretty nice to get dad to buy you some new shoes, but kind of be cool if you helped out a little bit. And then she did because she took that sledgehammer and started going to work. And with me and my brother not, not being able to take down these shelves, my sister did. And she went to work. She was using crowbars and sledgehammers. I said, I thought you said you was just going to chill. You ain't here sweating with your work gloves and everything. And she was like, this is kind of fun. And you know what? I was dreading this entire thing from the jump. I had been complaining about it. I was like, look, why don't we just hire some people? Why do you want to do this yourself? This is the project that my mom and my brother want to do. Why am I being pulled into this? And my mom is going to be listening and watching this interview. I mean, to this podcast. And she's going to be like, I didn't know you felt that way. Yes, you did. You know, I didn't want to do manual labor. I have never in the history of my life ever wanted to do manual labor. But I do it because I love you. And I will admit being around my brother and sister, because we haven't all been together in the same spot uh, that wasn't a funeral or wasn't a memorial for my uncle in four years. You know, the pandemic happened. You know, my brother and sister lived together. Now my brother moved up here and I see him from time to time. But, you know, he didn't see my sister that often. And, and I see my sister, you know weekly by doing this podcast, but in person, you know, every now and then when she makes a trip up here, uh, this is the first time in four years, all three of us together, we were laughing and joking and having a good time and destroying stuff. Like we were demolishing stuff and we got down the majority of the shelves. I think that we're going to have to hire some people to take down the rest of the shelves because they seem like they're a little bit complicated. Uh, and I've told my brother, Hey man, I'll, I'll come out and help again, take down the shelves. Was, let's just get that sledgehammer and start, uh, breaking down some stuff, but it was a good time. It was, I, I thought I was going to be annoyed 
but it was a really good time. And what made it fun is that me and my brother and sister were together. And when the three of us together is nothing but laughs and jokes and good times. Uh, later on that night, we all went out to dinner and we had a good time at dinner. Uh, me and my brother and sister, you know, just kicking it. So I was annoyed in the beginning because my mom's initial text was to clean out and demolish. Had she just said, well, we had to clean out the clutter in the garage, throw some stuff out, and I want to take down the shelves in the garage. I wouldn't have been like, well, I'm not no construction worker. I don't know how to demolish anything. But demolish wasn't exactly the word. But we did get to demolish some stuff. I did get to use that sledgehammer and smash up some stuff. That's pretty cool. And my sister got a real good, real big kick out of it. And you guys will definitely hear about it on a sibling happy hour that we filmed later on this week, where she's going to talk about how how much fun she had at the Ali Sadiq comedy show and how much fun we had going in there laughing, joking, having a good time uh, cleaning out my mom's garage. And who would have thought that I actually would have enjoyed doing some manual labor? And I didn't mind, you know, cleaning out the clutter because a lot of the clutter was, you know, just throwing it in the trailer to get junked, which means that I could destroy it and smash stuff. And, and you know, what what boy doesn't want to smash stuff? And I found out what girl doesn't want to smash stuff. That's the reason why they have these, what do they call them, angry rooms or whatever, where people just go in and smash stuff. Yeah, whatever anger I had that day, I was just smashing stuff. And it was an all right time. <laughs> it, it, it was an all right time. It was a lot. It was a good way to let out uh, any anger I might have had. Um, and I didn't really have any anger, but it was just good. It was just fun smashing stuff. Uh, but on that note, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, on the today's episode, like I said, I, I, I showed y'all just how crazy my neighbors are. I hope y'all learned a little bit about the history of Israel. And I, I learned that I like smashing stuff. If you want me to come to your house and help you smash some stuff and tear down some stuff, I could do it. Don't ask me to build nothing. I build relationships. <laughs> I don't build physical things, but relationships, I'm, I'm a builder in that regard. I'm a demolisher of physical things. <laughs> but thank you again for watching and listening. Once again, get all our information from all of our podcasts on our, on our website, unsolicitedperspectives.com. It's where you get all of our videos and our clips from YouTube. Uh, you can find the links on our Instagram, our Twitter, uh, or X is what it's called now, and our TikTok. Uh, the blogs that I write that I put up on the website as well. I might write a blog about the history of Israel that, that might go up uh, to, to in, in conjunction with this episode. Uh, buy merch. Support us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time, as always, I'll holla. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock with will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast. But the real party is on our Patreon page, After Hours Uncensored and Talking Straight-ish. After Hours Uncensored is another show with my sister. And once again, 
the key word there is uncensored. Those are exclusively on our Patreon page. Jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us. That's where you can get all of our audio, video, our blogs, and even buy our merch. And if you're really feeling genuine and want to help us out, you can donate on our donations page. Donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciative. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.